My name is Chris Bear and welcome to Just Fucking Win on Saturday at 3. On this episode, myself and the guys will be looking ahead to this Saturday's lunchtime game between Rangers and Celtic at Parkhead. Joining me to go through this, first of all, is Kenny. Kenny, how you doing, mate? I'm good, thanks, Chris. Good, mate, good. And joining us uh, after a short absence is Eddie. Eddie, um, I know how you've been doing, mate, not so well, because I hear that for the last couple of days you've had police digging up your front garden. Can you confirm that? <laughs> I can absolutely deny that. Thank you. Right, okay, okay. Must just be online rumors. I don't know. You know what it's like online. <laughs> Obviously, we've got a very important game on Saturday. Uh, it's quite a weird one that it is Saturday because usually these games get moved to Sunday, but I kind of prefer the Saturday games because win, lose, or draw, it gets out of the way and you can sort of. Either enjoy the rest of your weekend or start to process the, um, well, hopefully not this weekend, but start to process whatever negative result could happen. But um, I'll go into some numbers regarding this game before the talking points because there's, there's quite a lot of numbers to discuss. So there's eight games to go as it stands. There's 30 games played, eight games to go. There's nine points between Celtic and Rangers. Celtic have a 27-plus goal difference, so essentially you could say they're, they're 10 points ahead. There's two old firm games to go. Uh, obviously, this one being at Parkhead is the more difficult uh, game. We'll go into reasons why that is difficult um, later on. Form since last since the, the, the two teams were last defeated. Now, Celtic were last defeated on the 18th of September by St Mirren 2-0. They, since then, they've played 23 games, they've won 22 and drawn one. Rangers' last defeat came in the 6th of November against St. Johnson, 2-1. Um, since then, we've played 17 games, we've won 15 and drawn two. The form of each team since the 2-2 draw in January at Ibrox is Celtic have played 10 and one 10, Rangers have played 10 and one 10. Michael Beale's form as a Rangers manager in the league has played 15, won 14, drawn one. He's away form for Rangers in the league is played a 1-8 and he's picked up victories at Pataudry, Dingwall, Tannadice, Rugby Park, Tynecastle, the Tony Macaroni Arena, Easter Road and Firth Park. So this is probably his toughest away test, but we said that, you know, at Tynecastle, we then said that about Easter Road. We probably said that about Pataudry's first away game. Um, and in all intents and purposes, we probably said that about Rugby Park as well. But this really is the game that will, it's, it's, it's the acid test. So, Eddie, I'll come to you first. Just on Michael Beale's record as a Rangers manager in the league, uh, it's, it's spotless almost. The only mark, if you if you will, against him is that draw in January. Um, as I say, played 15, won 14, drawn 1. His away record is perfect, played 8, won 8. And as I said, some very, very difficult games in there. Probably the most difficult games out with Celtic, Aberdeen, uh, Hibs and Hearts, um, and obviously Dundee United, Kilmarnock, Ross County. Motherwell uh, and Livingston. So it's a weird one because usually getting into an old firm game, we do talk about form, but I, I specifically brought up Celtic's form um, because although our form has been absolutely magnific- magnificent, uh, you, you have to concede that their form is even better. So this is the, the size of the challenge that we're up against at the moment. Yeah, it's uh, very relevant to bring up both because, like you say, our, our form has been pretty much near perfect. The only fault is that theirs has pretty much been perfect. Um, and, you know, Beal's only blots on his entire um, performance so far, not just league, has been the, the two games against Celtic. Apart from that, he's won every game. So it's 
been very hard to find anything to complain about there. But like I say, the two blots have been against Celtic and this is probably the best opportunity for him to show that actually it's not going to become a thing and he is going to go into those games and start bringing all the points or the, the victories home. And hopefully that starts this weekend. Absolutely. Kenny, uh, I think makes a good point there about it becoming a thing. Um, I would say three games without a win, it does start to become a thing. If a, if a striker plays for Rangers um, and he goes three, four, five games against Celtic without scoring, it then becomes a thing. We've seen that with Morelos over the piece. The longer these negative runs go on, the harder it is to break. So does that add more pressure onto Michael Beale personally rather than Rangers to get this victory in order to lay down a marker? Yes, it does a little bit. But at the same time, I think what Eddie said is absolutely right there. You know, this is an opportunity to, to lay down a marker. But what I would say is that this will be the hardest of the three games because it's it, it's at Parkhead. So it'll be a tough game. We know the environment, no away fans and all the rest of it. So it is going to be... Uh, a hostile place to to play, but listen, it's it is what what it is, and for me, it's it's a must-win game, obviously in terms of the league, but it for Michael Beale more so. I think he he has to at least, the very least go there and not lose. Um, otherwise, as you say, it becomes a, a quite a big thing because the next one's the the semi-final and that that then becomes an absolute key game for Michael Beale because if he doesn't win that doesn't matter what happens for the, from here to the end of the season he's going to start next season under serious pressure Chris isn't he so yeah you're right absolutely as, I mean Kenny as much as uh, people listening might think that's a wee bit harsh I, I do tend to agree with you about the, the, the pressure because when you look back historically managers starting out with Rangers the, the successful ones get a victory over Celtic pretty quickly I mean, Mark Warburton, um, you wouldn't call him a successful man, a, a successful Rangers manager in the grand scheme of things, but he got a victory in his first game. Gerrard got a victory in his second game. McLeish got a victory in his first game. Uh, Walter obviously came back, got a victory in his first game. You look at the, the other managers who, who failed to get a victory uh, in the first couple of games. Uh, I'm looking at Le Guin, Kixinha, Murray. Um, it doesn't it doesn't bode well. Now, I know that's a, a quite a negative narrative I'm painting, but it just shows you that these things paint a picture in mud sticks, if you will. And it is, for me, I totally agree with you, it is absolutely crucial that we get something at Parkhead because... Um, he does not want to be getting into this game in the semi-final on the back of two straight defeats against them and, and then three in total without a win because it does, you know, it's just the life as as a Glasgow Rangers manager, it, the, the pressure well, rise. Yeah, what I would say to you there is, is look back at the podcast we did when Gio was, was fired and I, I distinctly remember a couple of us saying at the time, you, you have to beat them, mm-hmm. otherwise you go under extreme pressure as a a Rangers and a Celtic manager because that's where the standard is set. It, 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 people might not like me saying that, but it is. That's that's your standard bearer. If you can't beat them, you are going to find yourself under pressure. And, and he has to find a win, uh, preferably three in the next month or so, but he's got to find at least one or two, I would suggest to you. Otherwise, he is going into next season uh, with... Uh, a question mark over his, you know, over his tenure already because he would have been here if he hasn't, if he doesn't win any, 
he would have been five games yeah. that he would have played. <laughs> and if he's not won in any of those five, trust me, he'll find himself. And it's our support. It's the way we are. Yeah. And it's, that's what I mean. No, I, I, totally, I totally get that. I mean, some people might be uh, of the mindset that we're putting them under unnecessary pressure, but it's it's just, as I said, and as you said, Kenny, it's just uh, life as Rangers manager where expectations are such, um, you know, Eddie, when when Pedro Kixinha did get the Rangers job, uh, he did have, admittedly, a very, very poor Rangers team, yet we still expected to beat Celtic, who were um, hoovering up treble. So, regardless of the quality of the team, it's still an expectation for us. But, Eddie, I brought up, obviously, specifically, eight games to go, nine points uh, gap, and then, obviously, quite a large goal difference. Um, so, for you, Eddie, is this just all about making them fight to the very last second to win the league um, and obviously the the challenge of us winning the league is pretty much out of our hands now but as long as we take care of our business it prevents them capturing the title earlier uh, or are you more optimistic can you actually see a win on Saturday puts the title race back on? Oof, it's, a, it's a difficult one um, I, th- I, I think definitely... to, to help you out Celtic have played 23 games since their last defeat and they've won 22 of them and the other one was a draw. So there is, generally speaking, there is nothing else we can do other than win our games. Even if we win our remaining eight games, they can still go on and win the league. So do you see, as I say, now with with that information, can, can, can you realistically say the title race is back on if we win? What, I, what I'll say is, if you said to me right now, do I think the title race is on... And do we have a chance of winning it? I would say probably not. However, if you ask me, do I think we'll win if we'll win on Saturday? I would say yes, because I always go into these games thinking we're going to win no matter what state the team's in. So that reduces it to the six points. Do you say, if you said to me, do I think we'll win the one after the split at Ibrox? Yes, I always go into the old firms at Ibrox thinking we're going to win. So that reduces it again to that takes it down to three points. And then at that point, anything could happen, really, because you know they've they've watched the or potentially watched a um, gap of nine points dwindle down to three points. Pressure starts to set on them. They start to make mistakes that we haven't seen with this Celtic squad, and you know it could be anyone's game at that point. So yeah, a win on Saturday could reignite the title fight. Yeah, and, I, I mean, I long long term, I, I don't know if it will, but just. Breaking it down into small chunks, I, I think, yeah, it reignites it. Yeah, I think that's my point. Is If we put as much pressure on them as we can within uh, within our uh, capability in terms of what can we do to put them under pressure, well, we've got two opportunities to beat them. So if we take these opportunities and Celtic still win the league, we've done all we, could, we can. Um, we, we, we can then point to, to points in the season where we lost the league out with the old fun games. And we will have our own internal analysis on that. However, if we roll over in the next two league games against Celtic and, and virtually hand them the title, then that's a different story altogether. So we, we do have two opportunities to keep it going and to make them really think and put them under some pressure. So that's what I would like to. That's what I would like to see ideally. Um, let's now kind of go into how do we beat Celtic? What do we need to do? Who do we need to be playing? Um, what do we need to watch out for Celtic? Um, in terms of personnel, we'll also touch upon the referee and then we'll round it off by having a 
quick discussion on Douglas Park's departure. Uh, so the first thing that I would bring up is the most recent game, the 2-1 Cup final defeat. So Kenny, as a fan, uh, obviously you, you have no uh, influence on, on what Michael Beale will do on Saturday, but as a fan, uh, what did you learn from that defeat or was it the same mistake over and over that we continuously make against Celtic, you know, an immobile midfield, we, we, we go for physicality over craft and technique and then we get overrun, um, the movement of Celtic we struggle with, their pace and their power we, we seem to struggle with, um, so do you expect uh, Rangers or Michael Beal more specifically to have learnt from this and try and um, nullify that more or are you still of the staunch brigade <laughs> you know and by the way I know this is no offence to anyone but it's, it's some people's mentalities are different to ours you, do you only care what we do and if we take care of our business it doesn't matter at the end of the day because the cream will rise to the top well it's a good question because I actually think it's a bit of both I think uh, Michael Beal perhaps uh, certainly in the cup final they are kind of worried a little bit too much about what they were going to do uh, and try to counter that with that physicality in the midfield as you said um, what we need to do first and foremost Chris is be aware for the first time in over a, you know, a year and a half or something like that that they're going to come flying out the blocks um, see if we can do that and keep them uh, not just keep them at bay actually get the ball in the first 15-20 minutes and keep it um, that'll be a different situation for them because ever since Poster Coglin's come in, they, they've just came out as like a train from the start and for whatever reason, under two different managers, we've not been able to um, match that. And I remember saying in the, in the pod leading up to the cup final that we have to match uh, they, their speed of passing. We have to be able to do that. And so far, uh, with this squad of players, we haven't been able to do that. So what I would like to see is do uh, defend properly, first and foremost. We keep losing the same goal over and over and over again to them. Uh, and if you'll think back again to our previous discussions, I do think that uh, it's not entirely down to the defence. It's the way the team itself is defending. We're not defending from the, the front particularly well. We don't press particularly well against them for whatever reason. They play through it far too easily. The midfield looks far too slow if you can look back on the, the League Cup final the, the amount of space that McGregor and uh, what's the Australian guys that Moy uh, got was incredible actually uh, our midfield wasn't tracking runners and all these kind of things but then uh, you know to, to re, reaffirm what you were saying I actually do think that to a certain degree it is what we do, uh, there's a lot of what we can do that can cause them a lot of bother because they are not uh, this is by no means a, the best Celtic side I've ever seen or anything like that. They're a good side. There's no denying that the league record speaks for itself. But they're beatable, Chris. They're very beatable. And if we turn up and apply ourselves and really want to win the game and actually play to win, then we might just surprise them. But it'll be a tough game. We all know that. But that's my take on it. Defend from the front properly. Get that press right. The, the full-backs have to be switched on uh, and our midfield needs to work their backsides off Chris they really do Eddie uh, Kenny touched, some, uh, touched upon a, a very uh, good point there about the midfield for Rangers uh, we'll just come to that straight away obviously there's question marks over Nicola, uh, Nico Raskin 
whether he's going to be fit or not. We are recording this on the Thursday evening, uh, which is obviously um, before the press conference, which should happen tomorrow. It's a bit weird that the press conference being la- uh, left to the last second. That usually a Wednesday, it's usually a Wednesday day we get it over the way, uh, over and done with. Sorry, but for whatever reason, it's been left right to the last second. So it, it kind of gives guys like us. Um, a, a more difficult task because we're having to guess. So if we go by typical Rangers standards, uh, we'll just rule out Raskin just now um, because it does look like obviously going by going going by the uh, the pattern, um, he won't make it or if he does make it, he'll be on the bench. So if he does start, that'll be a welcome bonus. But let's just go on the assumption that he won't make it. That midfield too is, is absolutely essential in this game because physicality uh, has has been shown not to work against a Celtic team. They're too quick, they're too technical. So we almost have to match them in that respect. And obviously, uh, because they are slighter than, than our midfield guys, physicality will be important, but they obviously have to have to impose the technical side of the game. So that leaves a big, big question mark over one uh, one shot. Because I think Jack, Ryan Jack, he's nailed on. He's, he's going to play. So who is it? If it's not Raskin, is it Jack and Kamara? Jack and Lundstrom, Jack and Cantwell, or Jack and Arfield. Who's your preference? For me, it's it's got to be Jack and Cantwell. I kind of watch Lundstrom go into another old firm. I kind of watch Kamara go into another old firm in that role and get completely run around, uh, torn apart, and left ball chasing and people watching because they just kind of keep up with the pace of the game. Uh, every time we've played them lately, it just seems to be one of them Tuesday or both. And they just have no impact on the game. It's almost as if they weren't even there. The only time you know they're there is when they commit a foul. So, um, for me, it's got to be Ryan Jack and Campwell. Kenny, um, two things. Uh, two things there. I absolutely wholeheartedly agree with Eddie uh, in regards to Lundstrom. He cannot start this game. He would be my fourth choice. Uh, I, I'm, I'm Jack and Campwell as well. If it's not going to be Jack and Campwell, I'm Jack and Arfield. And then if Arfield's not got the legs for this game for a full 60 minutes, which will be required. I would rather Kamara over Lundstrom. Lundstrom, under no circumstances, can start this game. He's he's just not good enough to, to play in these games. Um, I would go as far as saying he's not good enough to play in most Scottish Premiership games uh, in his current form, but certainly in this game, there's now a body of work, a body of evidence there to suggest that he just cannot play against the Celtic midfield. So, um, do you agree with that, first of all? And second of all, if it is to be Cantwell, there is there is some question marks um, from some, certain um, Rangers fans that Cantwell can't play this role, this deeper role where he's sitting in front of the defence rather than sitting in front of the Celtic defence. Um, for me, uh, I think that he's shown enough and the the short time that he's been here that he's got the, the discipline to... To play that particular role, he's got the dig, he's got the tenacity, he's got the application, and he's got the right attitude. And on top of all that, he's a big sturdy boy, and he's a very, very good footballer. So what we're doing there, if we play Cantwell next to Jack, is we are lining up against Celtic on like for like because Cantwell versus Hitati should be should be a fantastic battle for the neutral. It won't be a fantastic battle to watch as a Rangers fan or, or even as a Celtic fan, but for the neutral, that should be a, a mouth watering. Uh, head to head. So, first question, Lundstrom for you. Second question, can Cantwell play in that role? Uh, Lundstrom, uh, I'd rather not, but um, uh, a lot of that will depend on how we kind of set up. Um, 
and can Cantwell play the role? Yes, I, I think he probably could. Um, and I tend to agree with you. I think in terms of uh, the, the lad Hatati, he would he would do a fine, uh, or I'll put it a different way, he'd do a far better job than John Lundstrom's managed to do uh, against him anyway. Uh, but you, point, you hinted at something there. I actually think that Scott Arfield should start, um, probably in place of Fashion Sakala, oddly, um, to start anyway, and that would be to almost literally do a number on Callum McGregor because everything does go through him, and Arfield has done that very well before. And uh, I'm not that's not to suggest that he's guaranteed to do it on Saturday, but I do think that uh, that midfield is where these games are always won and lost, and we have to counter what they do because they're. The record at Celtic Park is ridiculous. They win every single game there. Uh, so we have to find a way of actually combating what they do um, while trying to play our own football. Um, and we all know Sakala's in fine form and all the rest of it. But I would be quite inclined to suggest that that's perhaps what we do. Play Jack and uh, Cantwell holding and have Arfield deeper. Uh, but as as a part of that front three, if you know what I mean, but literally coming from behind to try and almost man-mark Callum McGregor and get him out of the game. Because if you can get him out of the game, we will have a chance of winning the game. That that would be my take on it, Chris. Uh, yeah, I totally I totally get where you're coming from, but I, I, I come from the other side uh, on this. I think the way to go is a block of uh, six and then a block of four. The six obviously being the four defenders and then the two in front, Jack and Cantwell. Um, and then the block of four, uh, I would have Tillman, Kent, Morelos. And uh, instead of Arfield, I, I just I just couldn't drop Sakala for this game, Kenny. I'll tell you why. Um, it's it's not exactly the most positive of reasons why I can kind of drop Sakala because we know what Sakala's like. We don't know what Sakala's going to turn up. However, in this game, he just loves this game. And out of all the players we have, it used to be Ryan Kent. It now no longer is Ryan Kent. I think Celtic could deal with him pretty well now. Fashion Sakala is the one player that strikes fear into Celtic players and Celtic fans. Um, it's almost like the Alberts law. Uh, George Alberts didn't always have the best of games against Celtic, but just his presence on the field gave him something to think about, and he'd always pop up with a goal if he was anonymous for maybe 50, 60 minutes, and it gave it, it gave Celtic something really to think about, even if he was having a poor game, they still had to keep a, an extra eye on him, and I think that is the case with Sakala, the fact that he's on the field, if he's having one of his poor games, we all know what Sakala's like, as do the Celtic fans and the Celtic management staff. It just takes a moment of quality from him to unlock their defence and get him behind with his, 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 you know, his pace and his, his movement, his direct, his, his obviously his um, direct play. So I, I, I'm going to be a wee bit controversial here, Kenny. I would have Sakala as a first name in my team sheet for this game, and if that comes at the expense of um, any 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 of the front four, whether it be Kent, Tillman, Morelos, or Cantwell. Well, that's what I, that's what I was going to say to you. If you if you and I tend to agree with you, I understand what you're saying, but I would be inclined to play him through the middle then and not play Morelos. Um, it's, a, yeah. it's a choice between the two then, uh, because I, I actually would start Scott Arfield in this game, and, and I know that a lot of folk will not agree with that. So it's just an opinion. It's just that I, I do know that having watched it over the years. He does do quite well against Callum McGregor, that was all. But I do agree with you, yeah. 
Eddie, where are you uh, in, in that particular respect? Um, with your kind of front four, uh, obviously your two wide men, your man behind the striker and then the striker itself. Yeah, that's. Uh, I would be going for a, a front four personally of um, Sakala out on the right. I'm with you. He brings that kind of X factor that none of us really know what he's going to do. They don't know what he's going to do. And it just kind of gives them something to think about um, outside of the norm. I would have Tillman just behind the striker and Kent out on the left, obviously. And then I'd be playing Morelos. Now, inter- interestingly, I was speaking about this with my mate earlier today. And he said he would play Tillman as a false nine, not play Morelos because he, he doesn't look interested anymore and not play um, Cholak because he doesn't really fit into this type of game. And then have um, so have Tillman in the false nine position and um, Campbell just behind him. I don't. What do you guys think about that idea of a false nine? It's not for me, but you know it could work. In order for that to work, I would I would need to have complete and utter confidence that Malik Tillman's going to turn up in the day and he's going to he's going to fulfil his duties, not yeah. just technically but obviously physically. Um, and I've yet to see that, and that's no slight on Tillman. We know I've done. A complete one eight in Tillman. I, I, I will. I would keep him. Of course, I would keep him. Um, absolutely, would keep him. But you're asking him to put a mature performance in when his maturity levels as a footballer isn't quite there. As I say, when give him the ball, he'll do magic with it. But in the false nine role, Kenny, I just think you need to do a lot without the ball, which I've really yet to see with, with Tillman, especially in this in this game. Well, I, I would actually go slightly different and say that you could. He played for my Munich second team as as a number nine. Uh, we haven't seen him there yet, and I'm not suggesting for a minute that you would put him in over at Celtic Park. So I don't think that would happen. But I don't see him as a false nine. But whatever we do with him uh, on Saturday, and he will start on Saturday, um, there has to be a, an understanding from Michael Beale here that making that boy work back the way he has been doing in every big game, Champions League games and Celtic games, he's, he, he's too inexperienced to do it. He doesn't have, uh, to a certain degree, he doesn't have the legs yet to do it. He's still a kid. Um, we have to have him on the ball and going forward. That's where you get the best of him. Um, so I, I actually tend to agree with Eddie's mate to a certain degree. I, I know where he comes from. And it's kind of why... I think similarly, what Eddie's mate was saying is kind of why I've looked at it and thought it might not be a bad idea to start Arfield, um, which, as I say, frees up Tillman, I think, to stay forward and not have to track back and not have to do a number on on an individual, if you know what I mean. Uh, But it's all about opinion, isn't it? And we'll see on Saturday what Michael Beale does. As I said, my hope is that Michael Beale actually has a go at them and doesn't sit in and wait till the game's over, uh, which he did in the League Cup final, to, to think about changing it. That's all I would say. But Tillman has to play forward. He has to be the main attacking player in our team on Saturday for me. No, I, I would agree with that, because he does need that sort of maverick free roll where he can just do his magic um, in the final third on the ball, because if you're going to ask him to do a shift off the ball, you're completely neutering uh, his uh, his skill set, really, which means that Rangers are weaker, and we don't want the Rangers manager 
making his weaker before a ball is kicked. Um, in terms of the striker, I'm still I'm still in the Morelos camp for this game because we've seen in the cup final that I mean Cameron Carter Vickers is a big big lad. He he does not get shoved about easily. Morelos had his number quite a few times, especially in that first half. I mean Morelos didn't have a great game in in, in that particular day in the cup final, but certainly the physical battle. It was 50-50 and you never really see Cameron Carter-Vickers under that much um, under that much pressure. Now, the Celtic game plan has always been Carter-Vickers takes care of Morelos because obviously two physical players and that allows Car- Carol Starfield to be on the ball. Now, that's the type of defender he is. He's, he's not a physical defender. I would actually say he's a very average defender, but he gets away with it. He gets a game every week because on the ball, he can actually start attacks. Um, and that's been one of my big, big frustrations because if Morelos is keeping Carter Vickers busy, uh, even if it's just f- physicality and not doing much else, that then gives us a chance to expose the weakness, which is Starfield. Now, we've seen this guy being pressed uh, and he does, not deal with under pre- he does not deal with pressure at all. He likes to have a bit of time to pick a pass and that is what's really pissed me off the last couple of games because... When we do press him, there is a mistake in him. More often than not, he'll go back to Hart. You press Hart, there's a mistake in him there. So it's actually been, you know, proven that that is where we can get at Celtic. But 90% of the, the games uh, that we've played over the last couple of games, um, and include the Parkhead game in that as well, we just sit back and allow Carl Starfelt to have the ball, pick his pass, next thing you know, Celtic are in our box. Whereas if we actually have... A Sakala, um, even to a certain extent, a Tillman, especially a, a Cantwell, um, or, or perhaps even Ryan Kent uh, could have that specific role, stay on Starfield. Uh, and obviously, Morelos occupies the, the man mountain that is Carl Vickers. That, that's an avenue there, um, which, as I say, Eddie, I'll come to you, I just don't understand why we haven't looked at that as much because every time we've pressed him and a game has been tight, he's shown that he's shaky. Yet we will, after the press, we'll sit back and allow him to have time in the ball rather than continue to press. Now, I know that pressing all the time can be counterproductive. It can obviously uh, tire the legs out, um, stamina levels go down, changes may need to be made quickly. But Celtic have shown in this particular fixture, you get the win in the first half an hour of the game. You don't need to worry about the next hour of the game because the game's dead. So it's it just, it just has to be an avenue that we have to expose in this game because... They don't have many weaknesses, to be fair to them, but that has always been one weakness. Joe Hart and Carl Starfelt. To be fair, we we have tended to do that in games over the I last kind of year, just always after we're about two goals down. <laughs> and every time we do it, it proves successful. So you're right. Like It does leave you questioning why we don't do it at the start. And I think after every defeat where that's happened, we've left the stadium or turned the TV off and been like, why didn't we start this press at the start of the game? Look how how positive how productive it was so we have to learn from that eventually and saturday hopefully will be that point where we go out and we abandon this let them put everything into it at the start and we'll hit them on the counter at the end of the game when they're tired because by that point they're already ahead and actually let's go and attack the game from the start ourselves and make sure that we're the ones in the driving seat because like you say that first kind of 30 minutes first half if you dominate that and put yourself in a position to be in the lead you're almost certain to win then. Yeah, uh, Kenny, we spoke a bit about midfield there. Um, obviously, I just spoke about uh, what we need to do up front as well. But in terms of key men for Rangers, uh, I've picked out Tav and Barisic. Because uh, I believe it will be Barisic that plays over Yomas. I'll be very, very surprised to see Yomas starting this game. 
So the reason I picked him out is Celtic will go with Maeda on the left or Jota on the right or vice versa. Maeda, uh, I have to say, has had Tav's number the last couple of games. Um, Maeda is by no means a very good player at all. However, he's a world-class athlete. This guy is a fucking machine. Um, he really is. He does not stop running all game. And Tav has struggled with that. So Tav needs to be on his toes and Tav needs to... We, we need to nullify that threat. So that probably means that Tav's attacking instinct has to... The, the, not be there as much for this game. Um, we can't rely on Tav being down that right wing constantly because he has to be aware of what's what's um, behind him, which is Maeda. Jota, uh, probably not been in his best run of form the last couple of months. However, he does show flashes of game-changing moments. Um, Barisic in this particular fixture at this particular venue has not got a great record um, it's it's been pretty poor from him so we need him to stand up and be counted and just stick to the task and the task for me again much like Tav isn't bombing forward trying to get crosses into the box we need to work the ball into their box from other avenues Celtic will not sit back so that gives us a chance to play through them so we don't need to rely on Tav and Barisic as much so for me Tav and Barisic for this particular game on Saturday they need to just be predominantly defenders um, and that will give us a, a great chance because Celtic creates so much through Maeda and Jota and if we aren't on our game or we give them space because we're too busy attacking then that could prove to be our eventual downfall do, do you see it like that or Again, you pretty much just stick to the game plan because it will work if we keep doing it. No, I kind of agree with a lot of what you said, but the the issue with our fullbacks in games against them lately has been the channels in between the centre halves and the fullbacks. A lot of the time, it's not like Maeda going down the wing and beating Tavernier for a bit of pace. Uh, most of the time, uh, isn't necessarily surprising. The boys will whip it, but at the same time. It's those channels that they're using. Uh, they're, they're inverting their fullbacks. They're pushing their midfield forward. Uh, and when they are on the ball like that, uh, it becomes very difficult for us to stop that ball. You know, going through these channels. That that's that's the issue. And that's why that, that's why I was saying that what we have to do is get on the front foot. You're talking about Maeda and Jota. I I, I think Jota's been pretty average this season. He's a good player. I mean, but. He's certainly not been as good this season as as he was last season, um, and that's partly because you know he's played each each team what six, seven, eight times you, you know already now, and individual opponents are beginning to get used to what he does, and that's what happens in Scotland. You play each individual opponent that often that uh, you you start to nullify each other to a certain degree, unless you're just distinctly better than the other player. But that that's where the issue lies for me that the the, the play those balls out wide and as they're doing that they're pushing us back and their midfield is coming right to the edge of our box and that's where we have the problem and that's where <laughs> listen I'm actually a bit of a fan of Borna Barisic and my son laughs at me all the time because he's he's kind of done in a Rangers jersey now and I think we all know that but at the same time uh, he's vital for us uh, in a game like this, because we've seen when he's not playing well, the, the mistakes that, that happen. He's never there at the back post or whatever and all these things. But coming forward, he, he, he's, a, he's a real, uh, he's a danger because once he comes forward, he's got that ability to 
to be able to cause them bother, you know, to cause them problems. Uh, and that's that's where I tend to agree with what you're saying. Uh, but their midfield is more of a worry for me. So it's our midfield that uh, I would suggest are the key men. And if it is Jack and Cantwell, then that's where I would see it. They have to be right on it, um, both on and off the ball, if you know what I mean, Chris. Yeah. Uh, Eddie, for you, who's the key man for Rangers? For me, it's going to be Tillman, what Tillman turns up, um, because on his day, he's just absolutely unplayable at the moment. And I, I think he's a fantastic player, and I've been a big advocate for signing him. But so far, I don't think he's really... <clears throat> done it in one of the, the old firm fixtures so it'll need to be him if he turns up. I think Ryan Jack is absolutely key because we all know, you, you've discussed it there in, in detail as well that they target Tav down that right hand side but when Jack's playing he's able to cover for Tav in a way that other players in the midfield don't seem to be able to so having him in the team um, and being able to c- plug that kind of gap at least means that we're not going to see the same attack and um, goal over and over again. So I think he's absolutely key. And then I think it's going to have to be Ryan Kent. Is it going to be the Kent that goes out there and strikes a fear of God into them? Or is it going to be the Ryan Kent who is marked out the game pretty early on, usually two of them on one, at which point he then either starts trying to do way too much and not looking and playing with his head and playing more with the, the adrenaline rush, or just looks kind of disinterested and walks around a bit, not really caring. So if he can turn up with the right attitude and the Ryan Kent we've seen from the first few seasons and can get involved in the game early and be productive, then I think he'll have a great game. So for me, that'll be the, the main kind of three players. Yeah, I, th- I think both of you are spot on. You know, it's um, it's the, the, the midfield will be crucial, of course. It will, the fullbacks having to be... Uh, you know, strong and steady, and 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 no giving the Celtic wide men space and time. That 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 has to be essential as well. Um, but in in this particular game, uh, just to round off Rangers kind of key men or Rangers danger men, uh, this this is obviously putting putting them under pressure. But I, I think this this lad just loves pressure. I think he's born for pressure. Um, I feel expect to see Todd Cantwell uh, show the full of Scotland why. He was linked with so many big clubs a couple of years ago for such a big price. Um, I just think this game is made for this boy. This is this is why he was born to play football in games like this. And will he be scared of a full crowd? No, no, he won't. I think he'll revel in it. I think if you gave Todd Cantwell the the opportunity to pick, would you rather a 50-50 split at Hamden? Would you rather play in front of you know 50,000 Rangers fans at Ibrox? Or do you want to play in front of 60,000 rabid Celtic fans that absolutely hate you? Um, I would be inclined to say that he would rather that because he would perform better. Because the attitude of this boy... Um, is I, I can't speak highly enough film. He is going to be crucial for us um, at the weekend. I do think this is his type of game, and he's not going to he's he's not going to shrink um, in this environment. He's going to flourish. He's going to just he's Kenny. He's going to show Scotland what he's all about. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I certainly hope so. Uh, it would be lovely if he did. Um, uh, and I do tend to agree with you. I think his attitude has just been absolutely spot on since he got here. He, he's been. Listen, we all knew, you know, you know, we all we did all know that we were getting a really good player, but I didn't expect to get quite such a complete player, if you know what I mean. Um, he's really surprised me with his 
aggression. Uh, you, do you know what I mean by that? It's, okay. it's he's just he's a bit of an animal. <laughs> he's just um, listen. I, I tend to agree with you. I think if Cantwell and Jack play really well, and that that's presuming that that the, the two of them are playing alongside each other. If you know what I mean, um, then we have a chance. That that's a they, those two are tremendous players. Uh, and we, you're, you're talking about Todd Cantwell won't be scared. None of our players should be scared going there. It's they're a decent enough side, but they're not unbeatable, Chris. Um, and that that's what concerns me. And I also I had forgotten about Tillman oddly until Eddie said it. Tillman is key in this game. He really is. If we can get Tillman on the ball plenty, you know, he, he will cause them all sorts of problems. And if we can get the midfield and the front three linking together and he's the guy that will be able to do that him and Cantwell will be the ones that can do that we we, we can cause them all sorts of problems their back four is not great all I'll turn and say is Starfield and Taylor and I know apparently Taylor was injured at the weekend I don't know if he's going to play um, but the, that that side of their defence is not great I haven't seen enough of the guy Johnson Carter Vickers a decent big player but th- that's not a great back four Chris Let's go and have a go at them. That's that's what I would say about it. Um, but yeah, Cantwell has really impressed me since he's turned up. He really, really has. I did. This will be quite niche. I would fully expect you to completely understand this reference. But I think obviously here at Saturday Free, we like to come up with good monikers for players, and the the moniker for Todd Cantwell at the moment is beautiful Todd. Um, obviously Dave came came up with Tony Goals for Tony uh, Antonio Cholak, but. I think for uh, Todd Cantwell, tenacious TC Wonder Boy. <laughs> yeah, I could get on board with that. Uh, the song's still on one of my playlists. Get yourself in the seat, like, Chris. So. <laughs> <laughs> but Kenny's right. Uh, just on the point about Cantwell, Woody, you talk about aggression. Um, that that is the word I would use uh, to sum him up. Tenacious. He, he's and to Kenny's point. Completely agree with him, and I know you probably do as well. Did I expect this from Todd Cantwell before he wore a Rangers jersey that he's going to be this aggressive, tenacious little guy who'll just be at people's ankles 24 7? Uh, no, I didn't. I just thought he was going to be a luxury player that would have to carry for quite, you know, large percentages of matches and he'll come up with his moments of magic, but no, no, no. Todd is, uh, yeah, he, he, gets, he gets stuck in, and that mentality, that style will suit him to a T in this game, I suppose is my point. Yeah, I thought um, like I, I really admit I didn't watch much of him at all before he came to us. I was expecting him to be another Tillman type player um, and he's not, I mean don't get me wrong, he's he's got just as much skill and ability but you're right, he tends to be more of a battler as well, which is why I'd have no problem playing him with Ryan Jack as um, kind of the two further back midfielders. Um, I think he's been absolutely phenomenal since he's come. Uh, I honestly couldn't have wished for a better impact from a player. Um, I just think he's been brilliant and I've really enjoyed watching him play. Only thing is, this is the real test for him now. He he didn't play much in the League Cup final. Um, did look positive when he came on, but by that point, you know, it was a bit late. So this is the real test now going into a, a game against them. Um, from the start and see how he gets on in that but I, I think you're right I think the atmosphere will suit him down to a tee yeah so there is a few factors at play here out with the football first one no fans uh like it's that is what it is uh I, I'd imagine that the three of us on this uh, podcast all three years will have all different opinions on what it should be um you know one thing that certainly 
needs to happen is the Celtic Blazers and the Rangers Blazers need to grow up. Um, they need to get on the table and they need to sort something out. Um, we can't have this match without away fans because it was for both. You know, Celtic fans will lose out when they go to the Ibrox and the Rangers fans will lose out when they go to Parkhead and uh, whatever allocation seems to be the suitable allocation. That you know, Celtic want a large allocation. Rangers want a small allocation. There's got to be a meeting in the middle there for me. That's just my opinion. As I say, Kenny Eddie use might go fuck fuck them, give them nothing, or or, or Kenny Eddie use might go and give them what they used to have. I don't know. It, it, it's irrelevant what we think. All I know or all I want to happen is get around the table, discuss this, work something out. Um, we've seen in Europe uh, when we play big teams in Europe, they take you know fifteen hundred fans. It works fine. There's no reason why that can't work um, in an old format, Ibrox, and especially at Parkhead, but. Again, that's just my opinion. If you disagree with that, it's fine. But certainly what I really don't want is no fans at all at these games. This particular Rangers team, is, as we've discussed, Kenny, is they don't always go into these games with the best of mentalities. And uh, th- there is an element of fear there from certain players. Uh, that's just a fact. People uh, people may disagree with that statement, but I just find it hard to this how anyone could disagree with that because the, the evidence is there. Um, when you look at you know three goal collapses over ten minutes of play, that's that's no that's not a strong uh, that's not a strong team with a great mentality, and it's happened twice now. Um, and we respond to our fans' backness. Look at the run to Seville. Um, so my opinion on that when it happened was Rangers board of set his back a wee bit before a ball has been kicked here. They've not done Michael Beale any favours or the team any favours because having no fans is uh, it's a nonsense uh, for such a crucial game. So I do believe it may play a part. It may be a factor. I hope it's not, but it it just it just may be a factor, especially in that opening 20 minutes when they're foaming from the mouth and they're obviously very rabid and they're, they're, they're baying for blood. And you know, you know what it's like at Parkhead, that, that first 20 minutes is really, really tough. It, it, it resonates even from the TV, just how um, vicious the atmosphere is, how hostile it is. And then if you can stay in the ball, they go all quiet. And if they go a goal down, they're, they're, they turn on the team. Um, but we've just not been able to do that in, in this fixture uh, since since the allocation has been cut. Uh, well, we've obviously done it in the, the December game, and we've seen then that they they, they they did not back their team as, as well as they possibly could. So, Kenny, do, do you see it as a factor or a potential factor? And uh, are you quite? Where are you with it? Are you happy the way it is, or do you want it to change to come to some happy medium? Lot to unpack there. Um... Am I happy? No, I'm not happy that there's no way support there. And, and it, it does make it uh, more difficult for, for Rangers on Saturday. Of course it does. But at the same time, uh, I'll never back down to a flat track bully, Chris. And that's exactly what they're doing. They are, they are literally demanding the Broomlin Road. They're not getting it. So they're taking the huff. And by all accounts, they've been told by the police that, that, that their issue with the 800 or whatever it is that they're getting at Ibrox isn't actually Celtic supporters, it's the Green Brigade that's the problem. So, um, I, 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 listen, I, I, you, you, you're perhaps talking to the wrong person. I'm, I'm a guy that decided in 2012, Chris, that I'd never set foot in an away ground, uh, club ground in Scotland ever again. And I, know, I haven't done it since. I point blank refused to give any of these football clubs a single penny. Um, 
So my kind of mind is already made up that anybody trying to bully Rangers uh, or force Rangers into doing something should be told where to go. Um, and I think that's what they're doing. They are they are literally demanding the Broomland. Uh, and I don't agree with that. They're not getting it. And by all accounts, the Rangers board have said, take that out of your head because it's never going to happen. It's not happening again. Um, do I think that perhaps a kind of European allocation uh, would be more suitable? Perhaps. But it's just the nature of the, the grounds. You know, I don't know if you've ever been over to Celtic Park for a game with them. Um, the nature of the grounds, it's quite... Uh, the police have got a job in their hands, certainly at Celtic Park, to to police that properly because they're so close together. You know, the fans coming out are so close together. Um, I, I don't know, Chris. I, I, I've got to be honest and say I don't agree with huge amounts of what this Rangers board have done, but I do tend to agree with this. Uh, they've been threatened um, with, we'll just no take any tickets and you'll get no tickets for Celtic Park then. Well, that's fine. Uh, so I tend to agree with what the board have done with that. But is it right? No, uh, with what you're saying about Rangers and Celtic Blazers knocking their heads together, is that that should be done? Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think there's a simple solution to this, Chris, because um, you've got one club trying to build another, and it ain't going to happen. So I, I really can't answer your question and without getting kind of emotional about it, because it anno- this actually annoys me because I get fed up with it, uh, because it's always them complaining, but it's them that are turning around and saying that it's the showpiece game of, of in Scotland, but they'll not call it the old firm game. They'll not call us Rangers. They'll not do this. They'll not do that. And then say, it's such a shame that the showpiece game in Scotland is, well, you caused it, nobody else. And whether they like it or not, they need to lump it, if you if you understand, because I, I just find them a bit tedious with it, because it's every year it's happening now. And I don't really know what the solution is, Chris. I've got to be honest. Nah, uh, I, I do agree with the no giving them the, the full Broomland. Uh, I wouldn't be in favour of that, but I'm in favour of coming to some sort of agreement somewhere down the line. Uh, and, and, and that may happen, Eddie, because obviously there's a change uh, at board level, which we will come on to in just a wee second. But one final factor that I do want to come on to uh, about the game before we touch upon Douglas, Douglas Park's departure is the referee. Um, the referee is Kevin Clancy. Uh, who I just don't rate at all. I don't think he's a good referee. I think he handles all firm games very poorly. But I said on the podcast um, reviewing the the Dundee United game uh, when Kevin Clancy was appointed uh, for the all firm that there was a statistic going around uh, Twitter about Kevin Clancy uh, refereeing Rangers games in correlation with Rangers winning. And as in fact correct, Kevin Clancy has refereed three Old Firm games and Rangers have won all three of them. So that's a good omen. Uh, but it's if we were to have a fourth one, um, Kevin Clancy may very well do everything he possibly can to prevent that, Eddie, because he just is not a good referee. Uh I don't think that referees in Scotland are uh, bent. I, I really don't. I think they're just poor. But this is the closest you'll get to a bent referee. Uh, I know that's very strong uh, language, but it, I just... It, it, I'm not saying he is, but it's the closest you'll get. He's he's shocking. He's abysmal. Um, and I'm very worried that this is this is the official for, for the weekend. I hope that we're not talking about him come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday when we record. Yeah, I don't think he's a an out and out cheap 
<clears throat> I don't think any of the refs in Scotland are out and out cheap. I do think a number of them are particularly bad. Um, Kevin Clancy being at the head of that table. And I, I don't care what anyone says. Like I say, I don't think they're cheats, but there will be some unconscious bias creeps into decisions um, for a number of them, and that's going to be difficult to not do um, for anyone, really. Unconscious bias is something you can't control, and it's always going to be there. But when your rational decisions are so poor, if you're adding a bit of unconscious bias into there, then you're going to have even worse decisions. And I just think when it comes to old firms and just refereeing in general, he's just absolutely atrocious. And unfortunately, there isn't an awful lot better out there than him um, until we kind of go down the route of making referees a, a full-time job. I don't think we're ever going to reach a, a decent standard. Will we play a factor for you, Kenny? Or do you just do you not care and who, who gets appointed this, uh, for these games? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I care, but Kevin Clance is useless as a referee. He's, he's dreadful. Um, uh, uh, listen, uh, the start that we've won all three games kind of blew my mind, actually, because all I ever think about when I think of Kevin Clancy in these games is the performance way back the, the day we won, where Katic scored the winner. Um, and What was it, Kenny, see that particular game? What stands out for you in that game? Because I can guarantee you what stands out for me is different from what stands out for you, but what, what stands out for you has been the worst thing about that game? Of, of well, it, it was a catalogue. I yeah. mean, I, I, listen, I can honestly say that the penalty kicks, the, he gave a penalty against us. We could have had two for exactly the same offence, didn't give them. Uh, they could have had at least two players sent off, perhaps three players sent off. We were getting players booted six foot in the air in, in their penalty box, and they were getting a free kick. Um, it, it was mind-blowing how bad he was. Never mind the handball goal that Edwards, it was Edward that scored, yeah. I can't remember. Um yeah. It was just from start to finish. It was just utterly, utterly useless. And Eddie made the great, uh, a great point there about that um, unconscious bias, if you like. Uh, I'm not even convinced that day that that was an unconscious bias. He just, oh, I think he just. Sorry, Chris. Didn't go. Uh, no, I was going to say that 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 is what my point uh, was was going to head to. Um, four minutes injury time. They played six. Um, That's right. I can't get it out of my head. I just cannot get it out of my head um, because no player went down injured. Um, there was no sort of control. Well, he actually created the controversy by playing the six minutes because he ended up sending Morelos off, which, by the way, was the correct decision. But if you remember, Morelos hadn't even fell on his arse and the, the red card was out. Um, and that, that particular day, I don't know why, but that stuck in my mind why he played the six minutes instead of the four. And it was just like, uh, you, you've... Everybody can see what you're trying to do here, uh, and and we won that game. We so this isn't a sour grapes, you know. This isn't a re rewriting history. It was just for me, just fucking score, just score. I can't have them winning, and uh, I he found two minutes from somewhere where it was completely unjustified. And as I say, it, it plays in my mind a lot when whenever Clancy's name comes up. Yeah, and listen, Eddie's absolutely correct. See, until we get full time referees, uh, it won't change. Uh, the standard of refereeing across the board in Scotland has been poor for uh, probably 20 years now. And it, if anything, it's getting worse because they're having to fast track these guys because the the age limit's coming down and all the rest of it all the time. We have a, a real issue with it and we've got VAR in, but we don't have professional referees. It's a kind of a strange irony that for me, to be honest. 
Yeah, uh, and even at VAR, we're not using that correctly. Um, that's an old discussion for another day, but um, VAR's a tool to help your referee. VAR isn't a second referee that helps to referee the games, and that's how they use it. And, and that, that, you know, you can put that down to incompetence, you can put that down to fear because of the narrative that's set. But um, it's, you know, we're, we've got a, a great bit of technology there that is, we'll, we've we've actually shown that it works uh, where performances in Europe, uh, where referees use it properly. Don't get me wrong, sometimes they might fuck up, you know. You look at that Dortmund game where uh, Kent scored the tap-in and somehow that get ruled off, but um, more often than not, VAR will get it right. But He's worse than Kevin Clancy, that muppet, by the way. He is, we'll see, give a give you that eye. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a tool to help you, not a tool to referee the game, and, and that's how Scottish referees use it. But anyway, um, final point, um, but there, as always with this podcast as well, there will be no predictions. We're, we're all Rangers fans, we all hope Rangers win. I could never imagine, unless we're playing Real Madrid or, or, or in the Champions League next year, where someone in this pod will say, I think Rangers are going to beat. Obviously, we think Rangers will win, but having actual predictions for it, I just don't agree with it. I don't think it's the right thing to do. So there will be no predictions um, because Eddie and Kenny, I think you've made it quite perfectly clear that you think Rangers are capable of winning, and I agree with you. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we will go to win. So no predictions. We'll just move straight on to, to Douglas Park to round this up. Now, obviously, he, he stepped down uh, a couple of days ago um, as chairman and replaced by John Bennett. Um, and this wasn't a kind of, I'm stepping down as chairman, but I'm going to be a board member still. This was a complete step down. He's no longer on the board, which suggests uh, that he's withdrawn his financial back into the club. So that is obviously a worry. Uh, it kind of came out of nowhere. The timing is just ridiculous again. Um, I'm not going to criticise Douglas Park's chairmanship. I think he's made a lot of silly decisions, but it's his money. And if he wants to waste his money, then that's that's completely up to him. That may actually have led to his decision to step down. Um, on the whole, though, I think he's been a very good chairman. I think he's looked after the club very well. Uh, he's uh, public relations, uh, abysmal, um, which is probably why he gets the stick that he gets. But certainly you cannot question the guy's commitment to Rangers because he's put in a lot of money. Um, but as I say, when it comes to PR with Douglas Park, it's, it's very... Very poor. It leaves a lot to be desired for. He's not a great public speaker. His timing's off all the time, and I have to say that's very much in form because his timing of this is uh, in the week of an old form. Don't get it. Um, the reason behind it, we, we were we were given a lot of words in the statement without any particular reason given. It was just all kind of, uh, oh, proud to be chairman, blah, blah, blah. Why he stepped down, I do not know, because the ire of the Rangers fans was not directed to Douglas Park, and if it was, it was misdirected, I have to say, because it was, as I say, he didn't make mistakes as chairman, but the guys that he employed to spend his money, i.e. Robertson Wilson, they were the ones making the mistakes, so we were looking for Park to step up and get rid of them and bring two, uh, two, two individuals into the club who were going to perform better uh, than the current um, employees. And, and, and that way, that would be beneficial to, to Park and Rangers because Park's money would be getting spent more productively um, rather than wasted, which it, which it has been done uh, to a large extent. Not not all of his money has been wasted, of course. Um, but for whatever reason, he stepped down and John Bennett is the, the new chairman. So uh, John Bennett is the complete opposite to, to Douglas Park in terms of a public relations standpoint. He's very you know, abrupt, very brash, likes to likes to likes to speak 
and I don't mind that because that's the characteristics of a Rangers chairman that, that that is very much required. You cannot be a silent Rangers chairman. You can't be a you know a shadow chairman who 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 won't talk to the fans. Uh, Bennett seems to be up for that task. Um, the proof will be in the pudding over the next couple of months because he does need to talk to us. There's a few issues to be sorted out there. I was listening to Kieran Maguire the other day. Um, you know, well-respected uh, football finance an- analysis uh, analyst, um, and he said that these things happen all the time in business, where uh, some board members disagree with the chairman's view um, and see a different direction for companies and, and and whatever. And that may very well be the case for John Bennett. And look, I'm not going to say there's going to be wholesome changes over the piece over the next couple of months, but I certainly think there will be a different direction as to how how the club will go uh, or where the club will go under Bennett. And I think Bennett's more aggressive. However, what worries me is uh, Bennett's for always aggressiveness and for always understanding of the mentality of the Rangers fan, it doesn't have the same financial clout as, as Douglas Park, so he's probably going to have to find another external investor. So these are all things that we can talk about um, over the next couple of weeks, next couple of months, certainly. But initial reactions, um, Eddie, I'll come to you first. Douglas Park stepped down and his replacement, John Bennett. How, how did that make you feel? Did that take you by surprise at all? Or are you pretty comfortable with us because it's a seamless uh, transition? Yeah, it didn't really... Um didn't really trigger too much for me because I think a pair of them have been working quite closely together now for a wee while so it's not like it's a big drastic change other than perhaps like you said there um, it might mean Douglas Parks withdrawing his financial backing Um, if that's true that's unfortunate and the timing you're right is is completely off for me but overall the actual impact of Park to Bennett I don't think will be that massive I think they'll probably have an awful lot in common having worked together for so long yeah, yeah. Uh, what about you, Kenny? Uh, yeah, I agree with Eddie and yourself. The timing's a bit lousy, isn't it? But um didn't overly surprise me, weirdly. Um, I think it hints uh, a little bit of, uh, obviously a new chapter, but, you know, a little bit of self-sustainability to a certain degree and uh, kind of contradicting myself here by saying that, you know, with best part of two million quid worth of shares um, uh, converted, I think they were... Uh, and look, John Bennett is a. I've, I've said a few things about John Bennett, but John Bennett's a, John Bennett's a very impressive guy, uh, and his CV is hugely impressive. He's he, he he's a very successful guy, and I agree with you. He's he's quite eloquent, and he's uh, much more of a public uh, face and and speaker. But I, weirdly, I'm a bit like Eddie. I'm I'm not overly concerned. <laughs> concerned with Douglas Park and his, his son's still there so whether he's taking his money out or not I, I, even there I'm not overly concerned or worried about it because uh, I do think that they did allude to it in the, the statement as well that um, he it's time for a new chapter um, and let's be honest he's, he, he's hitting his mid-70s Chris and yeah you know, he probably just wants to go and retire and sit on a beach somewhere. Worked all these days, and he's a hard. He's been a hard working man all his life. So yeah, I'm, I've got no qualms. I thank him for everything he's done, um, and bring on the future and bring on John Bennett. And let's hope, as you say, that he's more um, vocal uh, in uh, trying to do what's right for Rangers, particularly with things like the SPFL and stuff like that, you know, stick up for us, stick up for us and he'll do just fine. 
I just hope that one of his first acts as chairman is to is the immediate removal of Ross Wilson. And um, that's all I've got to say about it. Um, and then he will get the Rangers fans completely on board. Um, but you know, I, I do expect to hear some dialogue. Um, uh, communication from John Bennett in the next couple of weeks, certainly. Um, we bit like Dave King, uh, just sometimes maybe kind of help yourself and comes up with a wee bit of kind of, you know, we bit of rabble rousing. Um, and, and I really don't mind that. Uh, even uh, Dave, Dave King spoke some amount of shit, he really did. <laughs> but I, I loved every bit of it because he was a very, I don't know, Dave King was one of those guys that when he speaks, you just listen, even if it is a lot of rubbish. And, and, and you know, uh, John Bennett has that aura as well because. I listened to that interview he'd done at the start of the season uh, two or three times and it, as each listen went on it got more and more ridiculous but I, I was still sort of kind of fascinated by the aura of the man who he, he, he sort of he sort of he almost commands a bit of respect because although he is in a different class from most Rangers fans because financially he is obviously more better off he still has that working class mentality about him where he does get it so I will be really uh, interested to see the direction that we go now under Bennett. Um, Kenny, were you working back in there? You just mentioned Dave King. What, yeah. what would you say if Dave King came back? Well, that's a loaded question. Um, I know. Just a, It just entered my head there when you said that. Is, is that why Douglas Park's leaving? Who knows? I think, see with Dave King, uh, it's it's a difficult one. I find it really difficult to hear anybody criticise him. Now, I know Kenny, you'll know he's biggest fan. Um, and I no, I'm not. I, I respect all opinions on Dave King, but I just think none, none of what none of what's happened in, over the last two or three years for Rangers, 55, Seville, or this kind of stuff, it wouldn't have happened with Dave King. We would still be battling promotion from the Championship right now if Dave King didn't actually get uh, align all the troops and get, get it sorted. Dave King was... For, for a long period of time for me the only reason I could go to my bed and sleep at night and have a peaceful sleep because I knew he was he was in the trenches fighting to get those uh, bastards away from our club and do you know what they're still not totally away obviously there's a lot of litigation but I would rather I'd rather the current setup than than what we went through, you know, David Summers telling us to shut up, all this kind of stuff. We were in a very, very dark place and Dave King took us out of that dark place and, and just like Douglas Park, just like John Bennett, he made a lot of mistakes. Uh, but listen, you cannot question the guy's love for Rangers, you cannot question the guy's commitment to Rangers in terms of financial backing. And if Dave King was to come back to the board um, and they came back with the intention to invest more money into the club then yeah bring it on um because one thing with dave king is he, he will always stand up for rangers um sometimes picks unnecessary fights sometimes fights the good fights and sometimes we'll pick a fight in an empty room but at the end of the day uh we do need the external investment i think that much is clear um and if dave king is willing to put that up and john bennett's comfortable with it, then I, I for me i i don't see any problem in that but uh kenny i know guys like yourself dealt with King in some level. Um, I get there's a wee bit of untrustworthiness there as well. Of course there is. Uh, he's not exactly whiter than white, Dave King, but can you really turn on to me, Kenny, and say Dave King isn't he a, a devoted Rangers man who doesn't love the club? I don't think you can say that. Well, I was just putting a big spoon in there to see what you said, to be honest. So. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, do you love Dave King? Eddie's gone. I wouldn't say I, wouldn't say I loved him. Um I appreciate what he did for us, but I've kind of bounced in and out of the pro Dave King side of things for a while. I think he has a tendency to pop up at the wrong time and say the wrong thing. He does. And I think the tendency of doing that obviously shows that it's quite uh, planned. So I don't like that kind of tactic to things, but 
you know, he's always, I'm always going to be grateful to him because um, he got the spivs out and he helped put us back onto a kind of sure, more sure footing. But I, I wouldn't be pro bringing him back now. Well, if he wants to put the money on, um, it, it, it prevents me from putting my money on. Uh, I can spend my millions elsewhere. So um, I'm all for it. Uh, I don't actually have millions, by the way, so don't be, you know, try, you know, Try to grasp me into the tax man or something. I, I, that was just a jest uh, comment. Um, it's I did just get the money. Uh, so obviously, oh, I hang on, hang on. I I absolutely have no money before anyone starts messaging me. <laughs> I've got no money either. <laughs> so we're on <laughs> Um. So obviously that that comes to the end. Uh, big game this weekend. Uh, obviously no Rangers fans, so we'll all be watching from somewhere, whether it's the house, the pub. Stay safe. Um, if we get beat, just get back to the house as quick as you can. Don't stay out and obviously get yourself in any trouble or anything like that. It's really not worth it. Um, and keep your eye on Twitter because Chris will be live tweeting from Parkhead. <laughs> I got one of the catering jobs. <laughs> Going to be in the toilet before. Super. Um, but. As always, before I thank the guys, uh, if you can follow us on any of our social media platforms, we're on, essentially we're on everywhere that there is a social media platform, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, we're on Amazon Music, we're on YouTube, we are on Apple Podcasts, and we are on Spotify. Like, follow, subscribe us and anything that, that you see us on Saturday at 3, just search it. Um, and and we'll be there. Uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify, and you get the latest episodes uh, as soon as they're released straight onto your on your phone, and you can listen to us talk a lot of shit. Um, your support is very much um, appreciated by all of us here. Um, I did before I come to thank you, mate. I'll give you two wee seconds because I'll come to Kenny first, but just get the email up um, just in case you've not got it at hand. So I'll come to Kenny very first. Um, thanks very much, mate. Uh, I will obviously see you at some point tomorrow, but um, for, for the listeners... o'clock. I, for the... <laughs> for the listeners, I'll say have a good Saturday and I hope it's a, I hope it's a belter for you, mate. Yeah, listen, uh, thanks, Chris. I really enjoyed that and it's great to have a day back after his enforced absence. Um, but yeah, bring on Saturday bring home a three points game back on if we can get it absolutely cheers mate and Eddie uh, thanks to you as always mate it's great to have you back um, and if you can get very kindly supplies with the email address that would be fantastic yeah no worries um, thanks it's great to be back I had to take a couple of weeks off due to personal reasons but it's really good to get back and get recording again um, the contact email address is contact at saturday at three dot co dot uk and that's all letters no at symbol and no numbers Absolutely fantastic. Um, so yeah, join us next week where we will obviously be previewing this game. Hopefully it's a positive result um, and we'll speak to you then. Thanks very much.